Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard and this is me old muck of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. Well, it is lovely to have you with us once again. It's Tom with a little bit of chat about another classic episode of the show. A big favourite of mine and Joe, this one about cheesemongers. So we get to eat six extraordinary cheeses. We may have gout. We learn all about the Great Cheese War of 1766. We learn about Sardinian maggots and how many goats is a lot of goats. You will love our guest, Ned Palmer, one of our all-time favourites. Grab yourself a slice and a cracker and get munching. Right, our guest today is a cheesemonger and his name is Ned Palmer. Hi, Ned. Hi, Joe. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I've got plenty of cheese. Can I just start off by saying that Ned Palmer, for some reason, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me, but Ned Palmer actually sounds like someone that would know his cheese from his onions. Is that your real name or is it a stage name? Well, I was, my parents called me Stephen when I was born. And when I was six, I decided to be called Ned because I read this book and the kid in it was called Ned. And I went and said, I want to be called Ned. And they never called me anything else. I think that everything in my life follows from the fact that I was such a little ass when I was six <laughs> and such a geek that I chose Ned. It's quite useful because people don't meet very many Neds, so they remember you. Tom, have you got anything uh, in front of you that smells a bit whiffy? Ned, I've got a confession to make because yes. you very kindly sent Joe and I a remarkable package of cheeses. That was four days ago. Um, I'll level with you, Ned. I've eaten most of the cheese. Why couldn't you wait, Tom? Are you a bit of a cheese fiend, are you? <laughs> have you? Have you tried this cheese? Right. The thing I would say, Joe, without, you know, Ned's going to talk us through these cheeses. There's no stunt cheeses in there. There's no cheese that's going to blow your face off. These are cheeses of a, of a rare subtlety. And I think that's why I was able to keep going. Fucking hell. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> I, do, I, know which, I bet I know which one you've oh opened. My I think you've God. opened the Apatha. That is the Apatha, yes. It's so you... feety. Yeah, I knew it. See, I didn't even have to see you. It's your reaction. Right. If you're, uh, if you're listening to this and you're eating some cheese... Um, it's you and me both, but I've just opened an apatha, as Ned has rightly just guessed from my reaction. It smells feety. In fact, it smells worse than feet. It smells like someone's shoved a foot up a rat's ass, <laughs> and then gone, yeah, I'll sell that for a, a silly amount of money because it looks very artisan. I would say that was a lovely description, but definitely stick to the rugbying and don't don't try moving into the cheese writing there with the rat's ass bit. I would say stick to the rugbying, right. fella. So, <laughs> thank you, Ned. So, Ned, um, how am I eating this? Am I putting this one on a cracker or am I just eating it on its own? 
when you're tasting cheese really seriously, then I wouldn't have the cracker because you just want to have the flavours, the aromas and the textures of the cheese. When you're tasting cheese for competitions, you know, for when I do judging, we have crackers in between. So I might eat 150 cheeses in the morning session. What? So um, You eat easily, 150 yeah, cheeses? There aren't that many professional trained cheese judges, so you have to eat quite a lot. So I would use the crackers to... Um, Cleanse your palate? To try and neutralise my mouth a bit between each thing. Bit of apple works really well too, yeah. Oh, okay. When it comes to cutting our first cheese, is there something about the nose of a cheese that we should be aware of? There is, and it is that the polite person does not cut it off. And in the north, it's called snebbing. Snebbing. So to sneb the cheese would be a bad thing. A dirty snebber would be someone who snebbed their cheese. Oh, dirty snebber. And they wouldn't be invited back for tea. So the correct way for a wedge-shaped piece like this is to cut a pie slice off it. And that gives you a piece that's got a mix of cheese and rind. Joe, have you got your cheese ready? I seem to have lost power. I know we've got people who are live eating cheese. I love this. I mean, it's this one benefit of all of this terrible experience is that this online cheese tasting and, and the idea of live cheese eating is, is so exciting it's good isn't it yeah. always back now sorry i lost power in the van guys i lost power in the van so i couldn't see what i was doing with my cheese knife and my cheeses what's this apatha so joe what i would say is yeah look at your cheese yeah notice this is a pale white tells yep. us it's goat's cheese on the outside it's a bit pink that tells us it's wash rind yeah give it a squeeze it's important okay. to feel texture it's quite bouncy yeah it is i like that a lot yeah i like only I like ever that. squeeze your own cheese don't yep. squeeze other people's <laughs> cheese it's okay. not done give it a sniff because aroma is a big part of flavor and then <laughs> eat it it smells wonderful. It does, doesn't it? Then as you eat it, think of the narrative structure of flavour. The cheese tells you a story. You get the beginning finish. As it warms in your mouth, you get the middle as it develops. And then as you finish it, it should be length. It should have a finish. That's so just like drinking a wine and, and thinking of that beginning, middle and finish. Oh. And a really good cheese for me, even Boy. if it's mild, should have nice length. Goodness. That uh, do you know what do you know what's just happened? I've just sat here in my van. I've cut some cheese, a path of cheese. It's the first time meeting you in Ed, and you've made me shut my eyes. In fact, you didn't make me. I just decided to shut my eyes. I smelt this a path of cheese. Mm. I put it in. I placed. I felt it with my fingers. It was all bouncy and lovely. And I placed it inside <laughs> my mouth. And then I I chewed. I chewed it all around my mouth. And as of that, I'm keeping my eyes shut and. Fucking hell, it was so good. Oh, oh, oh that was lovely. I feel so relaxed. <laughs> I feel so relaxed. This is... Oh, I just want to eat cheese all night. What? So that was goat's milk, was it? Goat's milk used for Goat's that milk, cheese. yeah. Is goat's milk, like, more expensive? Is it like the posher version of cheeses? Goat's milk cheeses do tend to cost more than cow's milk, partly because goats are smaller. You don't get as much milk out of a goat. I think it's a bit harder to make. I think cow's milk's a bit more forgiving. 
goat's milk's a bit more ticklish, a bit more skillful, and you can mess it up. And one thing is you can make it really goaty, and it doesn't have to be really goaty. I don't really know what goat tastes like. What do, what does a goat taste like? Have you met a goat? I've never no. Uh, I've never got close enough. Wow, so god. I haven't lived, have I, Ned? I haven't lived. No, you haven't lived. You haven't lived until you've smelled a goat. Yeah. And I tell you what, when I think about people discovering cheese nine thousand years ago, you do think a lot of cheese smells like decay and it smells like odd things and things you might not want to eat and it amazes me that these wonderful people got past that thought i'm gonna eat that funny bit of off milk and see what happens you wonder if, if joe i know you have issues with trust joe you the first person to be offered a stinky cheese like the trust that was involved there <laughs> yeah when someone's going what you want me to eat this Nah, that yeah. stinks. No, honestly, it's really nice. Give it a go. What is mm. serious? This off milk. Right. If we want to find out about the first cheese, we've got to go back several millennia to the Middle East, apparently, where cheese making yeah. was invented, or as it says here, perhaps it would be more truthful to say discovered. How was cheese discovered? Where was it? So it was Middle East. Yeah. Several millennia ago. Yeah. I don't know what several millennia... How long several millennia? Well, it's not, it, the first evidence is around 7,000 BCE. So that's 9,000 years ago, first evidence. Um, Joe's gone dark again. I'm actually now <laughs> sitting in the pitch black with my phone light on under my face eating another cheese sorry i am listening to you ned it's just i can't help but tuck into the next one which was a fellstone you want to start with the milder cheese like the fellstone would have been very good to start with going for the a path of straight away was a bold move joe i'd have had that as the pre-penultimate cheese but i am very happy to move to the stitcherton if you'd like to because it's really amazing where the fuck's my stitcherton <laughs> Where's my stitcherton? Well, you can't see because it's dark. Uh, I've dropped. So you'll have to locate it by smell, and we'll try and describe the smell view. Hang on. What sort of shape am I looking for? It's a pie slice, hopefully. What's it called? <laughs> stitcherton. Yes, I've got it. I just found it. It's a fucking good job I found that, otherwise that would have stunk out the, the van. This is the best tasting I've um, ever done. Right. <laughs> That mini wedge of Stilton. Careful now, Joe. Stitchleton. If you call it Stilton, you're breaking the law, Joe. What, what do you it's mean illegal breaking to the law? Stilton. Why? Well, it's made with unpasteurized milk. And in the 1990s, the Stilton Makers Association said all Stilton has to be made with pasteurized milk. So you cannot make a cheese to their method and in the area of Britain with raw milk and call it Stilton. It would be illegal. What? So this is called Stitchleton, which is the old Anglo-Saxon name for the town of Stilton because Joe wasn't allowed to call it Stilton. Wow. Oh, wow. And Stil so, Stilton's yeah. just off the A1, isn't it, by Peterborough? Yeah, you can't make Stilton in Stilton, though. What? Do try and keep up, Tom. You're not allowed to because it's not in. You can only make Stilton in Nottinghamshire, Leicestershire and Derbyshire. You can't make Stilton in Stilton? No. Can you make cheddar in cheddar? Yeah. Cheddar is not so regionally protected. And I think partly because it was the most widely made cheese in the world until the 60s when mozzarella took over because of pizzas. I've just I've just dropped my Stilkleton all over the fuck. I've just dropped it all over the floor, lads. He's naked 
He's got his headphones on. He's in a van. He's yeah. lit very strangely from above, and he's smashing yeah. Stitchelton into his beard. And I think he's swigging a very fine wine from the bottle too. <laughs> that li- why? Why wine? Why cheese and wine? You know when you have, uh, or is it just wine with everything yeah. these days? Oh, I'm having mates over. Wine. I'm watching a film. Wine. I'm homeschooling the kids. Wine. Why wine and cheese? <laughs> Tell you one thing. I think they're both fermented. So cheese is essentially it's a fermented product because you ferment the milk with bacterial cultures to turn lactose into lactic acid. And when you make wine, you ferment the sugar or any booze, you ferment sugar into booze using yeast. I think that's a reason. There's a lot of flavours in wines that go really beautifully with cheese. More in a white than a red for me. I think white's a better partner. Really? I don't think red's that great a partner for cheese. Yeah. Really? I always thought red wine was was the cheese. Was the thing. Was the wine for cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for one thing, there's last time someone counted, there were more than one and a half thousand varieties of cheese in the world and they can't all go with red wine is one thing one and a half thousand this is from god i think it's called the wisconsin dairy institute who study this sort of thing and they came up with a number that's quite a while ago so it might be more the other thing that i don't understand as a recovering philosopher is how you decide how to count cheese because if you say there's cheddar there's just cheddar or you say there's montgomery's keen's Pitch for Westcombe, you know. Cathedral City. Uh, 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 Tom, 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 Tom. Tom, Tom, Tom. Don't say the C word in here. No, no, no. Um, He didn't say that. And yes, I'm sure it's a cheddar of sorts. Uh, And then you go to a village in France and there's a nice old lady with about three tiny goat's cheeses. And if you ask her what it's called, she looks at you like you're an idiot and goes, it's called cheese? So she doesn't even have a name. It's just the cheese she makes on her farm. So how can you count them? I don't know how they did it. What's it like being a cheesemonger? That's what I would like to know. Like, what is your, yeah, wow. what's your daily routine as a cheesemonger? A monger of cheese? Well, it depends. Uh, when I was a retail cheesemonger, you work on the counter selling cheese, talking to people about cheese like we're doing now. I worked in the cellar looking after cheeses, washing them, turning them, rubbing them, patting them, sometimes singing to them, which was so, so fulfilling. I loved it because you help this cheese on its journey from being this hard, white, tasteless round to something crazy ripe like that really runny one we've got there that started out its life as a firm textured thing with no rind so seeing it and shepherding it through its journey to becoming that is a really lovely experience meeting a lot of cheesemakers really horribly early starts i think the only people that have as horrible early starts as us are farmers at christmas time when when you live or die on christmas if you're a retail cheesemonger you get up horrifically early to get in early and taste through 150 stiltons to find the best ones for the day say or something like that that was quite a thing. Being there at five, taste through the rack of Stiltons to find the best ones for that day because they're all ripening, all ripening really fast all the time. And I'd get my temples would go cold and I'd start to feel a little bit high because I'd have so many bits. And then for my Christmas cheese, I would have a massive piece of Stilton. Oh my God. So it's just, it's really fulfilling. And I've done. It sounds heavenly. It's so good. It's such a fun job and it's completely by chance. And also, after my philosophy degree, I thought, 
that's a bit bollocks. So I got a job as a builder's labourer and I have actually dug ditches and I know empirically that this is better than digging ditches. <laughs> Did you have the best cheese sandwiches of all? The funny thing about working as a cheesemonger is that they really encourage you to try all the products. So you're allowed to eat anything. They stopped with the smoked salmon after a while because it was like £70 a kilo 20 years ago. And they are like, no more smoked salmon, lads. But um, when you were broke, all you ate was toast cheese toasties and you'd take the offcuts home and make cheese dishes with them. So at the end of the month, you get broke and you're, all you would eat is cheese. So being a cheesemonger is the only job where the broker you are, the fatter you get. What's the best cheese for a cheese toasty? Can I have three? Please. If you put them on a podium, if you can do a sort of one, two, three, or three, yeah. two, one. Yeah. All right. So one would be cheddar. Grated, proper good cheddar, like we're about to have this lovely Havold, a proper Somerset cheddar like Monty's or Pitchfork. Bit of, I like some Marmite or some uh, Worcester sauce. Kirkham's Lancashire, mm. it, much milder than cheddar, tastes like butter crumble, and you, you mustn't grate it. You have to just crumble it on, and I would just have that own naturel. And then my third one would be a stinky wash rind like that Al Pather, but a bit stinkier, maybe, with garlic pickle. Uh, the wash rinds are really stinky, and when you toast them, they get more stinky, more feety and intimate with some garlic pickle. And then the missus won't kiss me for a week, but it'll be worth it. That's my three toasties. <laughs> what wow. do you go for, Joe? What do you reach for for a cheese toasty? I like the cheddar. The cheddar is is my go-to, and I often have it sliced, not grated. So I'll slice it. That's okay. So I'll toast. I'll toast my toast. I mean, I'll toast my bread. <laughs> I'll toast my toast. I've got my toast that's toasted. <laughs> I've just Why got would you bread. toast toast? <laughs> you might double toast it. <laughs> well, you triple cut chips. Why not, oh, yeah, no, why not yeah. triple yeah. toast your bread? Toast your toast. Anyway, I get my bread, I toast it. I pull it out, I put it on the, the grill. Then I slice my cheddar. Not too thin, but not too thick. And then I'll lay it out. And then what I'll do is I'll probably get some grated mozzarella. And I'll put that on top ah. of the cheddar. And then I put it under and I keep checking it. I pull it back, pull it back, keep checking it. And I like it when it turns a little bit brown. That's when I start pulling it off and I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I look, I come up with the smuggest grin going. I turn to the kids and I go, you're not going to appreciate this, are you? You're just going to shove it down your mouth and you're not going to really appreciate the effort and the love that I've put into this cheese on toast. <laughs> and I don't want to give it to you. I'm, I'm really struggling here whether i should give it to you but i give it to him because apparently as a parent you've got to feed your kids um and look after them so i do but then i always hold back the nicer bits for myself are they the slightly more brown bits crispier bits all the crispier bits crispier the better is there any food that isn't improved with cheese in lancashire they have a saying that apple pie without cheese is like a kiss without a squeeze what apple pie without cheese is like a kiss without a squeeze but what so the cheese is the foreplay in that scenario is it is the cheese the foreplay or the next step, second base? They're having them both at the same time, so make of that what you will. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, and in Yorkshire, and, and they would have Wensleydale and Christmas cake. Just delicious thing to do. In my household, we've got baby bells. Mm -hmm. we've got cheese strings mm. we've got i was talking to daisy my wife the other night about this i said oh what do you remember those dairy lee triangles mm. and she went yeah i went i used to just eat them 
as the triangle. I wouldn't spread it on anything. I'd just eat the triangles. No, of course not. Why would you? And she yeah, went, she totally. went, yeah, I know, me too. Can we get some now? I went, no, it's <laughs> fucking 10 o'clock at night. We're not going out and getting some <laughs> dairy lead thingy. I think Boris might have a fit. Joe, there's Deliveroo, mate. You can get anything on Deliveroo now. That's unheard of in the area that we live in, I'm afraid. Oh, what, what else do we have that's slightly contra cheese strings? Yeah. Are they real cheeses? Do you count them as cheeses in the cheese world? I do. And so this is a somewhat controversial opinion, but I would say that squeezy cheese or dairy is to proper cheese as pornography is to love. So there is a place <laughs> for everything. I mean, <laughs> ethical pornography, not horrible stuff. I wasn't expecting so many um, sexual or love references uh, with our cheese tasted night, if I'm honest. It's never happened in a tasting before, Joe. The unifying principle is you. Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> You don't believe me. We are cheese pioneers then, I would say. I'm going to tuck into <laughs> yeah. this, uh, is it Hatford? Havod. 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 Right, I'm going to, and what's this, a cheddar? It's a cheddar. It's made in Wales, in Ceredigion in West Wales. Yep. Right, I'm going in. Quite moist. I'm giving it a little sniff. And as we taste this delightful cheese, uh, let's have a few ads. the ads joe you are you have eaten some hafod during the ad break what's your reaction please sorry i've missed time that really badly because i've put another piece in my mouth um <laughs> well of a different cheese no i had to go again for it oh my god it is mm, i'm really worried that the listeners are just going to be so weirded out by this close-up <laughs> of me just eating cheese asmr style you two don't sound as heavy breathing or thinking maybe that's my weight issues as well. What what am I tasting in that Hafford? Well, one thing that I tell people is to just say what comes into your head. And it's something I was taught. I was inducted into the Guild of Cheese Graders a few years ago. Like when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be in the Guild of Assassins or Thieves or something. But <laughs> that I can still happen there. Don't rule it out. <laughs> well, I don't see why not. I think, that's to I think I could do a career change anyway. I think I'd make an amazing sniper. You would be the last person I think of being an assassin. So like Tom's, <laughs> like Tom's just said, there's definitely a chance for you to still make that. You can legitimately carry knives around and mould and spores. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And what they said to me is just say the first things that come into your head. Don't censor yourself. Don't second guess yourself because your subconscious is much better at this than you are. So and smell is, and taste is so much to do with memory. So um, when I smell it, I get earth, mushrooms, a bit of stone. I get a bit of old church. You know, that I was. Yeah, I was getting wood. Dank. I was getting wood. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, I know I like cheese, but I mean, I was getting... <laughs> I was this getting is, wood. This one's going out after nine. I was getting it? really. I was <laughs> yeah. getting woody. Like yeah, it's like I think that's a really oh, nice yeah. word. You do, and that for me is in the same sort of spectrum of flavours as stone and earth. Mm. Is that woody bit of that dankness? What's dankness? Well, I think that the kids of today have a different meaning to me because dank seems to refer to really strong ganja, like dank weed. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's dank memes. You which is like you're giving us ganja cheese halfway oh, through the podcast. Oh, uh, you see, you know how he took his top off, and yeah, you oh, wait till you have. No, this no, is no. all the plan, was it? This is a 
Conspiracy. I just mean, I guess, dank, like moist, celery, earthy. I think I'll be friends with this cheese. I'd like to be friends with this cheese. Do you know why? Go on. Because it's an honest cheese, right? It's not fancy Dan cheese. Mm. It's quite chilled out. It's relaxed. It's not going to suddenly, it's not going to jump out from out of the door and scare the mm. shit out of me. It's, it's like a solid, but interesting, complex cheese. Tom, I like how you're trying to connect uh, with this cheese on, on a slightly deeper level. That, that means you're taking it seriously, which is nice to know for the first time in, what, six months working <laughs> together that you're taking this semi-serious, <laughs> which is lovely. You talk about making... I need, I need the, the breakdown of how the fuck do you make a cheese? Well, you get some milk, mm-hmm. and the milk is full of lactose, milk sugar. Mm-hmm. You want to turn that lactose into lactic acid it pickles the milk sours it preserves it in the old way actually so you add a starter culture lactophilic bacteria loves lactose eats all the lactose turns it into lactic acid so that sours your milk and it starts to separate the liquid off the solids this is not very appetizing but just so you know when your milk goes off that's what's happening you know it smells a bit odd and if you taste it by mistake it's sour Mm. you'll also notice if you left it for way too long it would start to separate out and you'd see the liquid separating off it so you can take that milk you've added your culture to and you could drain it off in a bit of cloth and you would have cream cheese you had a very simple cheese You'd need to put some salt in because it tastes quite boring without salt. And that would be a form of very primitive cheese. Being so soft, it won't keep for long. So the next thing you want to do to your proto-cheese is add rennet, an enzyme that coagulates milk and, and, and squeezes out the liquid. Then you have a kind of gel, looks a bit like creme caramel, and that's your curd. You ladle that into little moulds or big moulds for cheddar, draining off more whey. You add salt and salt at different stages for different cheeses but basically you then have cheese so you've got milk you added starter culture you added rennet to coagulate it you drained off all the way you could and you added salt and the amazing thing is that nearly all the cheese in the world is made using that method and those ingredients and all the cheeses i've sent you that all look so different and taste so different are all made with milk culture rennet salt and they're drained and that's it and it's cheese is magic talk me through this cheese that i've come across which is called a mil benkasi hang on it's german so i'm gonna to have to do my german accent oh, hazard no hazard no no that's fuck. the wrong one danke uh, guten tag okay no that's fucking <laughs> Africa, uh, south african again guten tag go on mil mil benkasi mil benkas mil benkais mil benkais Kaiser? Milbenkaiser. It's spelled M-I-L-B-E-N-K-A-S-E. Yeah. Heard of it? No. Oh, okay. This is this is going to be great then. So we can, <laughs> I we did can... say there were more than one and a half thousand cheeses in yeah, the world. Yeah, it's, it's fine. And also, I'm, I didn't want to lie. So this cheese is uh, it's producing Verkwitz, and it's from a quark. What's quark? Quark. Quark is Quark. A, like um, cream cheese. Like You know the thing I described, the first stage? Okay, so it's at that stage. It's like cream cheese, yeah. And you, you don't add rennet for quark. Okay. So this, this says they sit this quark mm. amongst dust mites. Dust nice. mites for several months mm-hmm. with some rye for the dust mites to nibble on. Okay. I like them already. The mites then shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs> and in the in the mites poo 
is an enzyme and it ripens the cheese that turns it progressively yellow, red-brown and then black, at which point it's eaten with all the mites on it. What? That is an artisan cheese produced in Germany yeah. and it's made me feel somewhat sick. Well, don't, don't eat it. Why? Save it for me. Oh. I'll have it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Daisy's wanted me to get rid of that one uh, for a long time. No, 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 just save it. Keep keep it in the caravan. Yep. Keep it nice and warm and it'll be more fun when I come round to eat it. We'll be we'll need some whiskey. I think this one might top it though. And it's a Casu Mazu. Casu Mazu. Italiano. Yes. It's a Casu yes. Mazu. Do you want to explain this one to Tom for me, please, Ned? Yeah, so that one, it's a contentious cheese. It's illegal throughout the EU. It's made in Sardinia. Illegal cheese. Illegal cheese, yeah. People eat it, but illegally, and they're aficionados. What they do is they encourage maggots to grow on the cheese. And they're a specific kind of maggot, <laughs> not any old maggot. Ooh. And they turn a hard cheese into a creamy cheese. But the other thing is, it's crucial that the maggots are alive when you eat it. Because when they die, they become toxic. What? They're not toxic. They're maggots. They're not nice when they're alive. But it gets better than this. You thought that bit was grim. The other thing is that when they are alive, which they need to be, otherwise you die if you eat it, they jump. And if they get into your eyes, these things, they cause damage. (laughs) And it's bad because apparently it's bad to get worms. So you have to wear safety goggles. To eat it, or I think traditionally before safety goggles, they would like cover their eyes to eat it. Yeah, I've never had it. And to be blunt, with all respect to the people of Sardinia, I very much doubt that I will. But there it is, Kazumasi. <laughs> Some people have described it as the most dangerous cheese in the world. Brilliant. Um, and I think maybe it's, you know... The- but I know about more dangerous cheeses, but sure, I think it is it is probably very... Well, th- hang on, there's a more yeah. dangerous cheese than a Kazumazu. What's it called, Joe? It's a Kazumazu. Kazumazu. <laughs> Kazumazu. <Yeah. laughs> Don't knock the Sardinians, mate. They've got one of the highest, if not the highest... Um, levels of centenarians centenarians people are, that live over 100 maybe that cheese has got something in it that's actually giving you well it's obviously it's a form of, of unnatural selection isn't mm. it <laughs> yeah the, the, anyone who can survive Kazumazu eating they're going to live to 110 can live yep. more than 100 years that's, yeah, how, like that's a superhero how that's how it works. Yeah. You said there's more, a, a cheese more dangerous than that. Tom got really excited and scared. Well, people have died for it, you see, for cheese. And there was a thing in 1766, which was the Great Cheese War. Hang on a second. No, yeah, no, no, and, no, and, and, and no. It's in my no, book, no, so no, it no. must be true. No, right? no, no. This is bollocks. Yeah, it's a real thing. This is a wind-up. People are fighting... Joe, I read it in a book. So they're fighting with cheese as their weapons of choice, or they're fighting over the cheese? No, but that cheese. has happened too. Uh, okay, right. Yeah. You go with yours then. They were oh, fighting over cheese. Right. You go with your story then. Let's go. Okay. Uh, 1766, the British had just beat the French again, like fighting with the French was sort of national pastime until the 19th century and in this one they whacked the French so severely they even gave them some of the land back but after the war there was a lot of big tax bill to pay off so taxes went up food prices went up economy was really popping and 
people from out of town were coming into your villages and towns and buying up the cheese at a higher price and taking it away to sell in cities. And people didn't like it. And there were riots. And the best ones, to my mind, happened in Nottingham in 1766, where local people started, and they were called rude lads. The local rude lads, which are like 18th century rude boys, um, <laughs> started surrounding the mongers and forcing them, intimidating them into selling it at the old price. And people started trying to get away with their cheese. And so they put armed guards, these cheese writers, around Nottingham to stop them taking cheese away. And the mayor came out. This is one of the dangerous bits. The mayor came out to remonstrate with them. And they were rolling cheeses down the street. And he got knocked over and injured by a rolling cheese. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if it's this, this cheese we're eating, Joe, but as Ned is telling us these stories of, of the Great Cheese War, I'm in my head, I'm seeing the battle fought with cheese so i could see like a massive wheel of edam would make a very effective shield against the great grape shots yes you could have really hard little goat's cheeses we haven't tried the goat's cheese yet but if you matured this lovely little hebden for about six months it would become rock hard and you could use it as ammunition in a sling or a very wide-mouthed shotgun i just you know that you know that um cheese rolling competition that they have down in yes where's that down where's that down gloucestershire in gloucestershire, gloucestershire. and how it's gotten yeah. very well dangerous they say like yeah people get break their legs like shatter bones yeah. and cooper's hill isn't it that's it well done tom it is Cooper. but the speed yeah. at which these cheeses go down that hill as well as the people yeah I would. That's how I would defend my country or my castle. I would. I would build my castle on a massive hill, approximately a hundred foot high, and it's a gradient of what's that gradient? What's the gradient that goes right up? Ninety. It's a steep gradient. It's a steep gradient. <laughs> it's steep. It's steep. Very steep. And I'm. I'm making all these massive wheels of what's the hardest cheese you can get, Ned? The hardest cheese. Um, I reckon it's Mimolette, which is a French cheese and it looks like the surface of a moon and it's a ball and you could use it as a cannonball there's a story about a naval battle where they ran out of cannonballs and they fired hard cheeses like this <laughs> i've just remembered this thank you joe they fired cannonballs and they sunk a ship so recently on one of those um documentary things they had a go at doing this and they found they could rip some canvas sails with firing <laughs> cheeses from a cannonball that would stink though wouldn't it it would stink it said that blokes got injured with cheese shrapnel <laughs> in the story joe my fear if you were going to try and defend your land as you call it or your castle by rolling cheeses is that these cheeses may be used as weapons against you. So let's say they set up some yeah. siege engines, some trebuchets. Yeah. No sooner have you rolled the cheese down the hill, they've just let them run out of steam and then... Yeah, yeah but Tom, when have you ever heard of a trebuchet being able to hit a castle with a wheel of cheese when my castle is 100 foot high? Is 100 foot a lot? I'm sure. Is, I'm not sure really. Is it not? <laughs> really? Fuck. As castles go, okay. not, not huge. 200 foot high. Uh, just <laughs> something really high. Yeah, yeah that's um, better. I tell me when you're knocking down my cheese castle defence, Tom, just let me live this dream out, which leads me nicely. Well done, Tom. This is, see, this is leads me nicely <laughs> onto dreams. <laughs> and why do I always end up having vivid dreams eating cheese before bed? <laughs> And there's a theory that cheese is a bit hard to digest so that when you 
um, when you go to bed and you've eaten some cheese, uh, your body's still quite active and so your brain's a bit active, but that's a bit of a boring theory. So my personal favourite theory is because cheese is psychoactive, particularly hard cheeses because it has a chemical called tyrosine or tyramine, I never remember which, which is the precursor for serotonin. So you need tyrosine or tyramine to make serotonin in your brain. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter, so that affects your brain. So cheese is psychoactive. So I would like to think that that's what's happening, Joe, you've just had a mammoth serotonin burst from your nice big piece of cheese. And you just have... Are they happy dreams, When these dreams? Yeah. Should, we, should we talk about your dreams? <laughs> We'll leave that for for another pod, um, if I'm honest sorry. with you, Ned. But thank I'm you. That's giving interviewing you. That's giving me sorry, a really sorry. nice insight into that because I'm pretty sure serotonin isn't that like the happy drug, yes, isn't it, or something? You need cheese makes you happy. Yeah, so cheese does make you happy. So if you're listening to this, we're so. encouraging you to just gorge. See what I did? That gorge, like cheddar gorge, mm. cheddar gorge yourself. Mm-hmm on cheese as much as possible while still maintaining some sort of healthy balanced lifestyle with regular exercise only once a day at the minute in lockdown um and also a balanced diet of other things you know say salmon um or uh, apples salmon and apples salmon apples and cheese what sort of diet is that well it's balanced i tell you what i think this is genius tom are you are you nibbling again you I've little, gone rogue. You little, Sorry, you little rat. What are you eating? Are you doing a new one? Or <laughs> I've dived into the. Is it Tunworth? Ah, have you got Tunworth? Yeah, I have. Yeah, Joe, have you got a very gloopy cheese? Very gloopy. Smells particularly feety. Sort of white, furry, velvety rind on the outside. Yeah, I've got a Tunworth. It looks a lot like a uh, camembert. Raymond Blanc, who's quite a famous chef. French chef says it's the best camembert in the world. This Tunworth. He's not allowed back into France anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's creamy. It's sweet. Oh, my God. Am I eating... Oh, oh God, it's lovely. Am I eating the skin? Mm-hmm. Can I eat the skin? Defo. The rind. Oh, so it's called rind, not skin. Call it skin if you want. It's, we call it the rind. I, uh, I love cheese. I've always loved cheese, Ned. I'm a big, big cheese lover. I used to sit on my mate's uh, bed. I remember we were, what, 13, 14? I'd go around my mate's house. And a lot of other 13, 14-year-old kids would go out and kick a ball about, cause trouble, you know, play knock-down ginger, knock-and-run or whatever you used to call it, 40-40, all those sort of silly nonsense, you know. And me and my mate, Sean his name is, would sit in his bed, um, we'd get a towel, we'd lay this towel out on his... Oh, God, that cheese is so good. Lay this towel out on his bed and we'd get a couple of cheeses. Um, nothing fancy because we didn't know fancy cheeses back then. We'd just we'd get a block of cheddar, we'd push to a bit of brie, maybe whatever was in his mum's fridge, and uh, he'd get some sweet chili out. And because we were young, we're not you know, we haven't got an experienced palate yet, so we'd get some sweet chili dipping sauce out and he'd get the salad cream out. And we would sit there with crackers, a whole pack of crackers, a whole block of cheese, a whole block of brie. And we'd sit there playing Xbox, eating cheese together. And (laughs) I've no idea why I've told you that story. Um, Apart from trying to explain to you that my love of cheese 
I'd like to think comes close to your love of cheese because you must love cheese. I do really, really love it. And, and that was a beautiful story and I really enjoyed it. And I'm not against the sweet chilli sauce. The salad cream is a little bit weird for me, but the chilli sauce, I'd be down with that. I get Why? That. Why Why are you not down with salad cream? Have you tried it? Well, yeah, in about 1976 was the last time I had Oh, salad piss cream. off, Ned. It's fucking made a... Cu- <laughs> it's made a comeback. Has it made a comeback? It's made a comeback. <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, I think we're the only country in the world that eats it. I don't think anyone else knows what it is. But they've got mayonnaise. So why would they just, you know, I know there's the great mayonnaise salad cream war here, but... What about, um, this is going to, I'm going to ruin my brand now, Joe. White bread salad cream sandwiches. Nothing else, just white bread and salad cream. What about that? White bread and salad cream sandwiches. Yeah, sliced white. (sighs) My first reaction would be... All right, each to their own. It's fine. Like my wife, <laughs> she dips uh, jam on toast in her tea. That's quite strange too. Oh, isn't right, it? that's strange. But just eating salad cream sandwiches isn't. No, no, it's absolutely normal. Each to their own. It's it's just a bit. I'd like a little bit more substance for myself. I need to keep my weight on. You see, and there's not enough calories just in the salad cream and, and white bread. Mm, salad cream. You need the cheese as well. This Tunworth Ned is fucking phenomenal. I just want to sit here and eat a ton of it. Get it? Can either of you tell me what the most expensive cheese in the world is? Well, I think it's donkey milk cheese from Serbia. Oh, he's nailed it. Oh, thank God for that. For an extra point, can you tell me its name? If it's Serbian, there'll be a lot of consonants and insufficient vowels. They are really short of vowels in Serbia. Is it Srebrenica? <laughs> it is. It is the most expensive cheese in the world. Is $1,700 US. For how much? For a pound of cheese. It's produced at a nature preserve in Serbia. So you were right there, Ned. And it is called Pul. Puli. Pule? Pul. P-U-L-E. How's a Serbian saying that? I don't know, which is embarrassing because I've got Serbian nephews and they'll kill me. Literally? You know, they would. They're quite... One of them, he's got he's got those tattoos on his knees. You know, the Russian ones where you don't oh. kneel. And he's got the tree of life on his chest and he's quite... Oh, and he's got his block number because they grew up in blocks in Belgrade. And he's got his block number, like in Judge Dredd. Who on earth would have thought this cheese-tasting night would have got onto your nephew being Serbian with tattoos all over and those weird ones on his knees? Ned, uh, things I've been wondering in advance of talking to you, Ned Palmer, cheesemonger, expert monger of cheese. If the moon was genuinely made out of cheese, what would be the best cheese for it to be made out of? I'm thinking in terms of lunar landings, like the moon not breaking up and peppering Earth with cheese asteroids. What do you think? With cheese shrapnel. Yeah. It would have to be quite durable, but yet quite flexible. Actually, I know exactly what it would be made of. It would be made of a cheese called Lincolnshire Poacher, which is the love child of cheddar and Gruyere. So cheddar is quite hard and durable and Gruyere is more flexible. So it is a mix of both cheddar and and, and Gruyere. And it would have that kind of flexibility that would allow a spaceship to land on it. But the durability for it not to, you know, um, to fail. Um, The advocacy of Wallace and Gromit uh, for Wensleydale. Has this impacted in any way on sales of Wensleydale cheese? Hugely. And apparently at the time Nick Park's wasn't into it it's just he thought it was a funny sounding word but it's now i think it might be the most widely exported british 
cheese. It's certainly giving cheddar a run for its money. And if you go to Hawes where they make it, you'll see images of Wallace and Gromit everywhere because they love them because it really, it brought them back from the brink. It's a wonderful story. That makes me very happy. And it leads me to my third quickfire cheese question. Is it true, Ned Palmer, that mice prefer chocolate to cheese? So if Joe was leaving a series of mousetraps around his caravan this evening when he eventually departs it naked from the waist up smelling of cheese would he be better lacing his mousetraps with chocolate or with cheese well oddly enough it is chocolate and the reason i know this is when i worked for a great cheese shop i won't say it is because we wouldn't like to say that there were mice there but there were and we actually had to put chocolate down and that's in a cheese shop so if you wanted to catch a mouse you needed to put chocolate down so empirically that is true i that's are you no no i know i'm sorry joe when have you ever seen an episode of tom and jerry and they've gone oh i'm gonna fucking shove a bit of chocolate under there to get him out joe i know this is going to be painful for you but i don't <laughs> think tom and jerry is based on reality certainly in terms of cheese cheese microbiology and, and the eating habits of mice all right if you say so if you say so, that's cool. We've got one last cheese remaining here. I'm sceptical. I'm nervous. I'm, it's the smallest one that you've been, I've been given. Yeah. It's got a goat drawing on it. It's called a what? Hebden goat. Goat. Are you, yeah. are you, are you, cup of tea. Are you, me? Are you on? You want cup of tea? No, that's not. Is that Northern? Is that Northern? I, cup, uh, you want cup of tea? So it sounded more Southwest. Did it? it did oh, yeah. to me, Joe. I've got to admit, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Monkey. Oh, you want cup? Oh, yeah, that's it. I got it. Oh, monkey. You want a cup of tea? And if if you want, if you if we've got no biscuits to put with your tea, Johnson Hebden. Handmade in Yorkshire. It's cheese. It's gorge cheese that you can dip in your tea. Do you want some? <laughs> is that all right? Is that well? Is that where it's from? That was. That was. That was okay. Oh, sorry. I've just picked it up, Ned, and it's very pale on the inside. And, yeah. But the rind is very different. Why is the rind so different? The rind is. It's base. It's largely a mould. I reckon there might be a bit of yeast on here. Oh. And there's a lovely wrinkly mould called geotrichum. You smell slightly cabbagey smell. Oh, yeah. Just a bit cabbagey. It's another quite new cheese made by one called Gillian Clough, who's actually a radiography lecturer. A radiography lecturer? I think that's what she does. Like, a, quite a scientific background. So by day, she, she looks at people's bones. Teaches other people how to look at people's okay, bones. Okay, so she's the queen of, of bone looking. And queen then of bone by looking. night, she's making this goat cheese. Cheese makers are really dedicated people it's quite hard work the margins are rubbish and i love the fact that she does works really hard doing radiography lecturing and then also makes cheese with her 10 goats i think she's got 10 goats that's not a big the point about that is it's a very small herd of yeah, don't worry ned i wasn't blown away by you describing 10 goats as i wasn't going oh fucking hell she's got 10 <laughs> she's got 10 goats who who on earth in the world has managed to get hold of as 10 goats as 10 yeah, i know i right. mean it's still it is i'm not knocking her radiography lecturing must pay well she, yeah she can afford 10 goats colossal herd rampaging around hebden i just wanted to be clear i can't quite describe this one ned mm. it is it's wonderful. Very strong. Say the first thing that comes into your head. Okay, like I'm picturing that I'm in hospital and not hospital, I'm picturing the dentist now. I've just been gassed. Okay. You know, when you're a kid and 
they put that mask right. and it tastes a bit strawberry but also chemically yeah now i'm not really i know i haven't really described the wow. cheese in, in a good light here but that's what i'm that's all i'm getting if there's a if there's a sensation that isn't bitterness and isn't sour yes, but is yes, another yes, thing. Yes, Ned, yes. It's that. Yes, yes. And it's a little bit mouth-drying. Yes. It's that. I wanted to call it bitter, but I didn't know how to say bitter without it sounding negative, because usually the connotations around the word bitter is negative, but it's not. I mean it in a in mm. a nice way. The bitterness of it was, was nice. It was, it was nitter. Mm. It was nice bitter, nitter. I might borrow that, Joe, if that's okay. I like that. Knitter. It, had, it has a knitter. You, you have that. Yeah, thank you. You're very kind. I feel I feel like I've got gout. I feel like two hours ago I didn't have gout, but I feel like I've got it from drinking this red wine and copious amounts of cheese. It would be really terrible if I'd done that to a great sport personality like you, Joe. No, but I think it's worth it. The taste of that Tumworth, Ned... It's worth getting gout for. I would I would live on that Tumworth for the rest of my life. It's just been absolutely wonderful. <laughs> I don't know where to go now. <laughs> I would I would like to finish by thanking you you Ned massively. I acknowledge that this may have been a slightly different cheese tasting to the sort that you usually run with such a lan. So I apologize for the strangeness of this evening. <laughs> Um, but I would like to thank you as well. And Joe, <laughs> if he can gather himself together as he sits there naked in the dark in his, in his caravan in the East Sussex countryside. <laughs> what else? Ned, Ned, what's going on here is that I have been to work today. I trained the rugby union with some of my friends and I travelled home about an hour and a half approximately. And then I got home and I drove up onto my grass to sit in my van because it's got best mm. internet outside the door of that you know yeah. uh, and now i sit in my the back of my van with a cheese board half eaten cheeses uh my laptop yeah. positioned on some yeah. sort of stall the mic positioned on ikea boxes <laughs> that have been turned up like this uh there is clothes everywhere i'm half i'm half naked and uh i'm almost certain i'll bear in mind i haven't seen my kids either I've, my wife's homeschooled them all day and I haven't even bothered to go in and say hello to them and I'm almost certain that the van is stuck in the mud <laughs> so that I'm not going to get that out anytime soon it's wheel spinning but at the end of the day I've had one of the most wonderful experiences I've, I've ever had in my life I've never done a cheese tasting evening and I've, I'm really ri and the fucking light's just gone off and I'm almost certain I'm locked in here in the dark with some cheese and uh, you've got a cheesemonger's history of the British Isles book <laughs> which I'm a proud owner of um, and I would highly recommend that to any cheese noises or people that want to get into cheese out there because it's got some fascinating stories in there thank you you could say goodbye if you want or if you've had a really bad time you could just say uh, this was fucking weird I'm off <laughs> well I, I, I mean I'll definitely say thank you but I did also want to say Joe that in a crowded <laughs> field this is the most out there and the best cheese tasting that I have ever ever done and thank you so much for having me on the show it's been absolutely outstanding cheers, cheers then <laughs> <laughs> So there you go, that was about cheesemongers. If you enjoyed that as much as Joe and I did, why not dive in and learn about teachers, about historians, about funeral directors? Basically, there are shed loads for you to get involved in. Dive on in.
network. A place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.